Well, it's good to be back uh, with you today. Last Sunday, I was wrapping up in, in Montana speaking, and, and after the morning uh, service, we, uh, we took off and we became one of the online uh, worshipers, and we were praising the songs, you know, the songs that were s- sung. And, but before that happened, the whole weekend happened, as we're driving to Montana, we just entered into Idaho. We just finished listening to that new song, The Hymn of Heaven. Just at the very end of the song, my wife's father calls and shares that Candy's mother went to bed Thursday night and woke up in heaven that morning. And so we, we just finished singing this song. But I tell you, the hope that we have in Christ makes all the difference. And we, we have hope. We, we, we mourn, but not like those who have no hope. And so we're already planning her service here on the first Saturday in in, um, in August, but it makes all the difference. So to sing it again, super emotional for my wife and I. And to have my daughter as part of one of the worship uh, team today, first time I think since college. Was, I was a very proud papa and proud dad. But um, anyways, if you're joining us, we are continuing in our series, Forged by Fire, uh, looking at some leadership truths through the letter written from Paul to a young leader named Timothy. And so we're, we're, we're looking at this, and if you're thinking, well, you know, that, that letter, that epistle was written, you know, to a young pastor uh, for a church, that doesn't apply to me because, you know what, I'm not a pastor, I don't have to listen today. Oh, no. No, see, God's truths are transferable. And I'm looking out, and I'm seeing all kinds of leaders. I'm seeing teenagers that are leaders. I'm seeing adults that are leaders. If you're a parent, you're a leader, because leadership is influence. You have influence. You're a grandparent. Our job is not just to feed our grandkids with sugar and send them back to their home with mom and dad. You may want to do that, but that's not, that's not the, you know, the full sum of being a grandparent. We have influence if we uh, choose to use that. If you're, a, if you're an officer in the military, we which we have many in our church, or you're an office manager, or if you're a student leader on your team or school or campus, or, or, or your own, you own a business, we all have different levels of influence, and these leadership principles transfer. We talked, part one was great leaders lead with humility. Paul modeled that to, to Timothy. Paul said, man, I'm, I can't, I can't, I'm just so overwhelmed that God had found, he was found me trustworthy with service to him, knowing Paul's past and how he persecuted the church and had Christians beat up and arrested and killed, and, and then God saved Paul. And he's like, God, God put me in this role? And he's overwhelmed, and he said, Christ died for sinners, and he said to Timothy, and I'm the worst. He's just modeling humility, and great leaders lead with humility. Last week, Pastor TJ talked that leadership always, always, always comes with requirements and qualifications. To be a leader, there, there is an expectation, there is a standard uh, of that, that is expected of leaders. And chapter 3, talking about these are the expectations, the qualifications to be a pastor in a church, an elder in a church. But the same thing applies, the principle applies as, as all of us in different leadership positions, that there's, there's still expectations, requirements, and qualifications. And when we lead poorly, make poor choices, it affects our leadership, even if we are removed from leadership because we chose poorly. 
Now, I was listening, we were listening as we were driving back and listening to worship and singing and praising and actually clapping after songs. And we don't, we don't by the way, we don't clap for the, the, the people that are leading us. We're <laughs> clapping for the truth and, and who we are singing to, just, just so you know, okay? Um, because, I mean, they're good, but they're not that good, okay? <laughs> We're, and he is very good, very good. So we were worshiping, and then Pastor TJ teaches, and he's not here. He's, he's teaching uh, the, the kids just across the, the lobby today. But I told him, because he was gone all week on vacation. What did you think, it's summer? Uh, and, and, uh, and I said, hey, I got I to gotta really confront you with something you said. And I didn't tell him what I was going to say. I figured if he's going to teach publicly and, and say things, I need to confront that publicly, okay? So this would be just between me and you. You don't need to tell him. <laughs> TJ said several times, as our youth pastor, he said several times, I work with young people. Well, what is that implying that I work with? <laughs> Old people? Is that how you want to be referred to? And some of you are older than me, really old people? And Pepe, our you know, director of children's ministry, that means she works with little people. And because we have a nursery, new people? <laughs> They're called teenagers, TJ. Just, just stay there. Stay there. Stay in that lane. All right. Anyways, I had fun. It was, he taught, did a great, great job. But as leaders, you heard the video, the pounding of metal upon metal, iron sharpening iron. If you're a leader, you will be forged by fire. It's just a matter of time. And you, once you think you've arrived as a leader, something else comes and you feel the pounding of leadership again. Here's some examples of how leaders are forged by fire and the heat of criticism. And people getting angry at you for the decisions you made. Uh, they gossip about you, say bad things about you. They have wrong, wrong assumptions and expectations. So then they look at you differently, look, really look at you in an incorrect way. Or you make a decision, they just completely disagree, and they tell you about it. That's not always fun as a leader, but that, that comes with it. Uh, or they have, make false accusations about you. that You said that, and you never did. You did that, and you never did that. And your leadership is dinged, your leadership is diminished when people hear about something that you never said you never did. That comes with leadership. Not fun, but it's reality. And this is one of the hardest ones, is people abandon you. I mean, mean meaning, I no longer want you to lead me. And that, that, that could happen to a parent or grandparent. I don't, I don't want your influence in my life anymore. I don't want you to be my pastor anymore. I don't want you to be my coach anymore. I don't want you to be my teacher anymore. And I, I don't want you in my life. Those, th that forged by fire is not fun, but it comes with leadership. So these principles are very powerful and transferable, as you'll see today. I'll give a bunch of examples. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Again, we're looking at the third leadership principle in this, in this little letter and most leaders, I, I know I can speak to this, they're like, man, I wish I would have known certain things earlier, because I would have made different decisions or responded differently. So pick up with me, chapter 4, verse 1, I'll read verses 1 through 12. Paul writes to, to Timothy, says this, the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, clearly says that in the later times, end times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars. 
whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving for, by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Verse 6, if you point these things out, really as a leader, you point these things out to brothers and sisters, believers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This, what he just said, this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Paul says, this is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command to teach these things. Don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity." There's a lot here, because you've got to understand he's thinking of one kind of thought through this, and it comes, this today is with really with three parts. So if you're, if you're taking notes today, here's the central point that we will unpack from, from this passage. The best leaders lead with the truth, they avoid the trivial, and they focus on what is truly important. There's lots of things that leaders can be distracted by. And Paul is saying to this young leader, the best leaders lead with truth. We'll talk about that. They avoid the trivial and focus on what is truly important. So we'll look at the first part uh, at the beginning here. Uh, the best leaders lead with truth. The opposite of truth is a lie. Jesus said the father of lies. Every time he opens his mouth, he lies. He's talking about Satan. And, and he says that uh, that's what's going to happen at the end times. Now, I'm going to put on the, on the TV here ver, part, part of verse 1. He said the Spirit of God says this, that in the later times, the end times, meaning before, before Jesus comes back, which I believe we're here, we're, this is us, some will abandon the faith. I don't, I don't think I believe anymore. I don't, I don't know if I really believe that the Bible is the Word of God. I don't think I'm going to go to church anymore. We are seeing this played out in our culture in an epidemic way right now. And he's given us the, really the reason why is because those who walk away from faith, away from their church, away from trusting in God's Word, why? Because they have followed deceiving spirits and the things taught by Demons, okay, whoa, whoa, dropping the demon into the passage. He's saying it's this important. And Satan will do anything and say anything to have people be deceived so they do not follow after God and God's word. And he's using demons in the New American Standard. It says the doctrine of demons, the teaching of demons. How do we know 
what is a doctrine of demons. They don't get up and stand there, hey, I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to teach, take some notes. I'm going to give you some teachings from demons. It doesn't. Satan appears as the angel of light. So how, how do you know? Well, here's, here's ways you can filter out, is this from God or is it from his enemy? Number one, it, doctrine of demons contradict, right, contradict or, or go contrary to God's truth, God's word. The teachings cause chaos, cause confusion, and lead to division. Do you see that in our country right now? Right? Teachings that are contrary to God's word, teachings that cause chaos, confusion, and lead to division. This is happening. And Christians, some who have grown up in the faith, trusted in Jesus, went on mission trips, went to camp, went to youth group, even brought their families. I'm even seeing deconverting pastors who are walking away from the faith. Why? Because they're being influenced by teachings that are not from God and God's word. I'll give you some examples. In our culture, we are being told, and it's being championed and cheered, love is love. It, you, you, just, you, can, just, you can marry anybody because you love them. And if you oppose that, then you're a bigot. You're, stop the hatred. Now, we are commanded as followers of Christ to love everyone, right? But there are standards when it comes to marriage that God's word speaks to because God's the designer of marriage. But to stand for the truth that a man is to marry a woman and there's not anything else, all right, no, no, no other made up stuff, that is, that is like crazy talk in our culture. And I've seen former students of mine when I was a youth pastor for so many years go, you know, I don't, I don't know if I believe God anymore, believe God's word, because love is love. And I'm not about hate. I'm not about hate either. But I'm about God's word. Other things such as, I haven't seen this, we talked about a lot, all these issues I'm giving examples of, we talked about in our you know, untouchable series in spring of, of, of the biblical, having a biblical worldview and taking issues. But uh, you've seen recently because of Roe v. Wade decision is that if you, if you, I've seen this, if you have, if you hold a pro-life position that there's actually a life in there that God designed and created, that having a pro-life position is an immoral position. That's just changing the definition of immoral upside on its head. But that's being shared. We talked we talk about this, and it's true that there's not two genders, now 44 and counting genders. What, what is that causing? It's one is against God's word. We talked about that causing chaos, confusion, and division. So that now you know where it's coming from. It's not coming from mean pastors, all right? It's not coming from anything political. We're seeing the answer right here. A couple others briefly is we can't even give a definition of women today. Many can't. I can't. I'm married to a great one, all right? Um, I, heard, I, I heard this and I, I told Candy about this. I'm like, that, I think that's, that's a horrible definition. They're not women, they're menstruating people. 
who would say that out loud? I'm sorry. But then now it's out and trying to change stuff and, you know, school unions is, let's call them birthing, a birthing person. This is where it's coming from. And also, this is very controversial, but it's teaching that's everywhere in our society that your color determines either you're an oppressor or an oppressed person. Doesn't matter what, I'm not that way, I don't think that way, I don't view people that way, I've never acted on it, doesn't matter. In this teaching, if you're one color, a certain color, then you are an oppressor, but if you're another color, you are, you are being oppressed and victims. That is not in God's word, that causes chaos, confusion, and big time division. And this is causing believers in the end times, and we're, I'm seeing it like crazy, to abandon the faith. So as a leader, what are we to do? Well, let me finish verse, verse 2. He says, such teaching comes through hypocritical liars who, whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. God gives every human being a conscience, not just believers. This is right, this is wrong intuitively. And when our consciences have been so seared in my, in my research, it's like someone who has, who's had their conscience seared, meaning burnt and, and kind of just molded and frozen in time, they are unable to learn right and wrong, unable to listen to right and wrong, and absolutely unable to discern right and wrong. That's the American culture from all these teachings that are really inspired by the enemy. So as a leader... As an employer, as a teacher, as a parent, as a pastor, how do you lead? Well, you lead with truth. Stand on truth. We talked about this, objective truth. It doesn't change. It doesn't care what you and I think, what you and I feel, what you and I even believe. It's objective truth. That's the Word of God. So here's the first application of this. Leaders lead with truth. That means we've got to speak truth in the face of opposition. Leaders speak truth in the face of opposition. Now, he's talking to a pastor in this passage, and I'm going to give you some transferable truths, illustrations, how this can, can be transferred. But as a pastor, he's saying that you need to teach this, all right? Command and teach this. Um, he, if, I, if you're going to be a great pastor, great leader of a, of a church or church ministry, you must teach truth even in the face of opposition. Don't shy away from it. Call sin, sin. It's not, don't, don't be a jerk about it, please. But call sin, sin. It's God's standard, not yours or mine. And, and deal with things. This is what the Word of God says. And that's what he's challenging uh, T- uh, uh, Timothy to do. In verse 6, he says after that section, he says, if you point out these things, this is where this is at, this teachings coming from, the doctrine of demons, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, believers, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished on the truths of the faith. It comes from God's Word, and of the good teaching that you have followed. We are not to do this to people not who don't believe. That's where we get in trouble on social media. You start throwing down the gauntlet to people that are not. No, this is talking believer to believer. And say, as a pastor, you teach these truths. Point them out. And then in 2 Timothy, another letter he sends to this young leader. He says this, Timothy, preach the word. 
Preach the word. Be prepared to teach the word in season or out of season. When it's convenient, when it's not convenient. When it's popular, when it's not popular. And and when you teach the word, you are to correct, rebuke, and encourage, this is important, with great patience and careful instructions. Don't beat your people up with God's word. I grew up in a church that it, you, if you, it was almost a mentality, if you didn't walk away wounded, then there wasn't good church. It's like, no, let, let God's truth be true, but do it with grace. But preach the word. Then he says this, this fits us today. He says, for the time will come, and it's now, when people will not put up with sound doctrine, sound biblical teaching, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around themselves a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. We have this at our fingertips more than any time in human history. You can find any podcast, any biblical teaching to say whatever you want them to say. And they just, this is what I think it says. And I'm like, okay, a pastor said or a biblical podcast. No, 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 this is where we're at. Preach the word. Leaders don't, don't uh, they, they teach or speak the truth even in the face of opposition. Now let me share how this leadership principle is transferable. I, I've been, I was a coach, I'm retired now. And, you know, I would coach on the side um, really as a ministry um, and also as a father, but even after my girls played, good co- coaches do the same thing. And the opposition sometimes is your players are not happy with you and their playing time. But worse than that, they're called parents. <laughs> we have a coaching problem in Kitsap County. We can't find enough coaches. Why? They don't want to mess with parents. They're tired. They get beat up by parents. And so I was always the number two coach to a very strong, capable number one coach. So um, he, he spoke with truth. I brought the grace, all right? Uh, the girls cry, varsity girls cry, and I hug them and point them in the right direction. But so parents sometimes would come to me thinking I would be a little easier and were upset. Well, why isn't my daughter starting? Why are we going to get more playing time? And had to speak truth. Let me be honest with you. Your daughter does have talent. But she's lazy in practice. She doesn't give full effort. And that's not easy to do, especially mama bears. Woo, watch out. Okay? So coaches do this. That's just another thing. Um, Parents, you must teach truth even when your kids oppose you. But all my other friends, well, I didn't give birth to you. Or to them, all right? All right? Some of your moms are like you know, telling your teenager, I've been in labor half of my life because of you. No, don't say that to them. Don't say that to them. <laughs> but you got to speak truth even when they're opposed to you and they're mad at you. You got to hold truth. You got to teach them this is right, this is wrong. There are guardrails in life. And you go over the guardrails, you will get hurt. You will feel pain. They're there because. We love you as parents. You can't do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. That's not life. Well, sadly, it's becoming more like life in our culture, and there's lots of pain. But parents, we have a responsibility to teach truth, to teach trust is the foundation of every relationship. And my daughter's heard all the time, 
Trust is the foundation of every healthy relationship. If I can't trust you, you will not enjoy life in my home. But if I can trust you, you even get more freedom. You got to teach truth even when they're opposing you. Great owners, great bosses do the same thing. We will be ethical in word and deed. We will not cut corners. We will not shade the truth and shade taxes. Yeah, but come on. Come on, man. Your partners, we we could save lots of money. Not while I'm here. Speak truth to opposition. That's what leaders do when it's not even popular. All right, see how it plays out. All right, the second area is the best leaders lead with truth and avoid the trivial. Avoid the trivial. How do we do this? We don't get distracted with meaningless issues. There's all kinds of distractions as leaders. So after Paul tells Timothy about people are going to lose their faith, walk away from their faith because of the doctrine of, of demons, and then a little bit later he makes a change, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he says this in verse 7 have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. He's not throwing old wives under the tail. But it's like these things that that people get all distracted with. Chapter 1, he said this to this young leader. Command certain people to not teach false doctrine any longer, meaning you're no longer teaching. Because it's not not what God wants. You know, or, you know, to, to not... Uh, devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations, but I think, rather than advancing God's work. These are distractions. Now, to a pastor, there's all kinds of distractions. Um, One of the things I tried my very best is to avoid distractions that do not line up with our mission to help people meet and know and follow Jesus that distract us from our vision to reach and disciple people for Jesus. And what I avoid is what I call theological dog chasing its tail uh, situations or, or, or debates. Where we're not going to ever get an answer, but we want to th- go round and round and round and round about an issue because we think we're philosophical and we're so intellectual. Let me give you some examples. I've been asked, Pastor, could an all-powerful God create an immovable object? I'm like, stop. Does that, does that profit anything? No. Now, this, let me get even more controversial. Somebody last service afterwards went, you went there. I went, yeah, I did. I've had people ask, and I, I said the word Dan, and then a Dan first service said, please tell people you weren't talking about me. Okay, this is, they're not in our church anymore. This is, this is a while ago. A, a guy came up to me, okay, pastor, I need to know where you stand. Man's free will or the sovereignty of God in election. Now, those separate issues are not meaningless. They're important teachings. They're both taught in the Bible. So I sat down with Scripture and said, this is, Scripture says about this issue, Scripture about this issue. But what he was really interested in, let's have a round-around, chase-our-tail debate that will never get us anywhere. Finally, after about six times, I went, Dan, I'm no longer having this conversation with you. Yeah, but I just had another question. No, it's the same question. I'm done talking about it. Because the answer is, do I believe in this and this? The answer is yes. But I need to know one or the other. My answer is Yes. Do I understand it all? No. 
They're both taught in God's Word. I, I, mean, I could give you the, the right answer, but if they're not really looking for an answer, they're looking just a debate. That's, the, that's a distraction that will get me nowhere and spend time. Also, I'm just going to remind you again, I constantly get questions. Hey, pastor, there's this cultural issue. There's this, you know, this thing in our, in our country. There's a political issue. And if it has no biblical handles, I'm not touching it. I'm not talking about it. And I won't watch your video. Okay? It's usually it's a conspiracy thing. Yeah, but I think our people need to know. No, they need to know this. Okay? So I'm trying, I keep saying this, but, but I keep getting videos. And I'm like, I'm not watching them. I'm not watching them. And the reason why we had the Untouchable series, because all of those hot issues, there's biblical answers to them. So I'm just, I'll say it again. Now, this leadership truth is transferable to coaching. You have so much time to coach. Our practices were always two hours, so maybe two, two hours and 15. We always wanted more, but the school district wouldn't give us more. And we, I worked with a coach, and then when I was in charge, I would do the same things. We had a coaching schedule. We scheduled every single minute. And every single minute, every single drill had a purpose for how helps uh, player development or how can we win in a game. I've also worked one year with a coach that had no plan and no strategy, and it was a colossal waste of time for the players who never got better and lost way more games than they should have. Two different leaders. See, a, a coach, a good coach, well, I'm, I'm not going to get distracted with meaning, meaningless things that are not going to help us win. Now, there, we even would schedule in fun things just for, you know, team cohesiveness and memories. But most of it was, had a purpose. Parents, this principle applies to parents. Don't major on minor issues that in the scope of life are really meaningless. I'll give you some examples. Don't walk out on me, because I'm going to tell you in a little bit what are, what are majors to major on. When you minor on a, when you major on a minor thing like, oh, I just, I just want my kids to be popular in school, don't pray for that, okay? Now, if they are, fine. God's positioning them for leaders, as leaders, and you can say, well, then this is how you lead others in a godly, humble way. Oh, I want them to be popular. Oh, I, I can't wait till they start dating. The longer I was a youth pastor, I was like, no, don't, just go in big groups. Big groups. No, but I, I, I want them to date, you know, and oh, did, did you see this girl? Is she going to be your girlfriend? How old are they? I'm 13. Oh, that's asking for pain. Grades. Are grades important? No. Doing their best is. Doing their best is. Because seriously, they graduate from high school, a week later no one's going, yeah, but what grade did you get in science class? No one knows or cares. They just have to do good on their SAT. Do their best. I'm going to add this one, Ashley. Having their room clean. Now, 
if they disobey, then they have a character thing. Finally, one of my daughters, I will not mention her name. I just said, do me a favor, just keep your door closed, and I'll pray for your husband. <laughs> See, for us, for Kenny and I, that, that it was like, oh, everything, spend all this time and energy. Awards, oh, they got the award. It's in a box 10 years later, broken or dusty. Great owners do the same thing. They avoid practices and habits that cost them time and money. See, this principle just plays itself out. Best leaders lead with truth, avoid the trivial, and focus on what is truly important. What is truly important, which is this, be focused on what has lasting value. What has lasting value. Not temporal value, but lasting value. So after he says avoid these endless myths and genealogies and wife's, wife's tale, he says rather, this is what you should focus on, clear focus on this, rather train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly, for physical training has some value, some, not no value, some value, but godliness, godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Then he says this, this, meaning what I just said, is a trustworthy statement that deserves full acceptance. What is it? That godliness has value in all things, in this present life and the life to come. That's what we should focus on. Now, train yourself to be godly. What is that? Being godly is living, talking, choosing, and responding the way God would want you to. That doesn't mean have, a, you know, have, the, have the Bible memorized. You need to know what truth is. But being godly is if you live the way God wants you to, you choose the way God would want you to choose things, you talk the way God would want you to talk, and you respond to irritating people and situations the way God would want. That is a godly response that has value for all things. For every one of your relationships, if you are godly, all of your relationships look up to you and respect you. Like, I, I want my daughter to marry someone like you or my son to marry someone like you. I want to work for someone like you. I want to be on your team. Because you respond and choose and live and talk the way God would want you to talk. That is very attractive. Ungodly is just all the opposite. Like, I don't want to work there anymore. I don't want to be on that team. I need a new teacher. <laughs> all those things. And it has value both in this present life and all things, your reputation, your, your, your relationships, your place of employment. It has value in your, in, in when things go bad, you respond godly. When you succeed, you, you're godly. It has value in this present life and it has value in the life to come. You're getting extra stuff the first hour didn't give, okay? I will mention Ashley by name because she's my favorite first daughter. This is my favorite first daughter. Um, when she was a freshman, I picked her up from youth group here and we were driving home. As we turned it out the, out the driveway and heading north, I just said to you, I said to Ashley, I don't know if you remember this, Ashley. I said, so why do you think dad does what he does? And, and all that dad does, why do you think I do all of that, these things? And she gave me that freshman look like, what are you going? And then she goes, because you get paid to do and I went, no, I'm not in it. I'm not in it for the paycheck. I'm in it for the rewards. And she looked at me like, are pastors supposed to say things like that? 
And I explained it. All that I do is not just for this life. I, I'm, I want to store up treasures for heaven. People get saved, change lives, change you know, families, generations. Now, rewards are not to get into heaven. It's your heavenly Father going, I, you're here, you lived godly, you chose wisely, I want to bless you. Here's some rewards. I said, I'm in it for the rewards. Paul's saying the same thing. That's godliness has value. Quickly, this plays, this truth plays out. Uh, great coaches, um, they influence their players for a lifetime. Great teachers influence their students for a lifetime. Uh, all my girls had great coaches, and they, they learned, don't show up on time, come early. All right? Steve, we coach, right? Right? And they're like, I never show up on time, because Coach Hanley would get upset. Always come early. Give 100% effort, even when you're, when you're tired. When you fall down, get back up. When you make a mistake, forget, forget it, move forward. When, when we, either we win or we lose, we're going we're gonna to respond with class. See, all those are transferable truths that could carry on, because it's something more important than the wins and losses. Parents, don't, don't major on the minors, but you are to major on the majors, which are few. Candy and I, this is what we chose to do, we majored on faith and character. Faith and character. We, we can model faith, and we talked about faith, and we, we did it all the time. God was a part of every conversation, even stuff we watch on TV, and I'd pause it. Hey, what's that going on? What do you think God's word says and stuff? I'm like, Dad, please, come on. But so I did that because I'm supposed to irritate my kids. Um, and, and, but it was always faith, faith, faith. And I prayed since they were diapers that, God, I want them to choose to love Jesus and to love his church. Choose to love Jesus and love his church. And so when they're in middle school, like, oh, Lord, please help them choose to love you and love your church. High school, college, and then they make choices. I'm glad God answered my prayer because all three girls love Jesus and love his church. That's answered prayer from imperfect parents. But character was huge. We never had a list. You do this, you get that. It was, it was just character. Yeah, we had chores, but it's character development. Character as be honest, work hard, be responsible, be dependable, show initiative, know what needs to be done, do it without being asked, and help others. All those character traits they use in the next stage of their life, and they keep going. Because character remains. Now when it was time where all of a sudden they finally started to notice there's guys in the world, like, oh, he's pretty cute. We had conversations. Like, what are you attracted to? You should be attracted to character. Yes, they. Should, you know, I'm, you know, God's not going to say, "Oh, never mind. I won't go there. It's not in my notes. I'll get in trouble." But be attracted to character. What are you attracted to? Watch how he treats others. How does he treat his mama? Moms, come on. That was a put on the T for you. All right. Does he work? How hard does he work? Does he play video games for hours on end? Run from him. Thank you. But he's so cute. That'll fade. Wait till he's 30 and all of a sudden. Right? Then he gets older and his hair is going to turn gray or turn loose. 
But if that boy has character, that remains. You can quote me. Cuteness fades, character remains. Those are the two things we majored on. Do your best in school. Congratulate them when they, they do things good. Those are the two things. Same thing. Principles focus on what is lasting. The last one is, or, or to wrap things up, is that he says, really we're saying this, is the best leaders lead with truth, avoid the trivial, and focus on what is truly important. And after Paul writes these things, and kind of boom, 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 he says this in verse 11, command and teach these things. As a leader, don't just know them, command and teach them. Those who have, you have influence over. And then Paul, I think he anticipated maybe Timothy's reluctance because he was young and I'm in a leadership position and there's people that are older than me and what are they going to think about me? They won't listen to me because I'm younger than them, they're older than me, they're like, who are you? Paul, I think, anticipated that. And the Holy Spirit said this, right, verse 12, Timothy, don't let anyone look down upon your youth. Be an example. Be a leader, right? Model your speech, your life, your faith, your purity, purity, be an example. My first church, I had this deacon that was always coming up to me and go, you know, you are young. You know, I'm like, I'm like 23 years old. You know, you are young. And I was like, yes, I am. And he kept saying it after about four years of that, you know, you are young. I said, I can only fix it by keep having birthdays. <laughs> he never said it again. Be an example. That's why my son-in-law has brought a team of leaders out to serve. Le- teenagers are some of the best leaders. And so we cheer them on. We cheer our, t- our students on. Right here. It's all from 1 Timothy chapter 4. Oh, man, it's amazing how the Bible's relevant. Let's pray. God, you've all given us titles and positions of influence. I pray that we would lead well. Lead well. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its power. Thank you for its teaching so we know how to lead well. Encourage those who need encouragement. May your word be profitable for those who truly heard. And we give you all the praise. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're our guest today, thank you so much for being here. Um, I pray that you would uh, go to guest services, and we have a gift waiting for you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.